Leading my friends through the deserted hallways of the decrepit, abandoned hospital, I glanced back to see that Eric and Jack were still carrying Sam on his wounded leg. The traps that permeated the building were nefarious enough without the idea that we weren't alone in this place. As I turned the corner to a new section of this hospital floor, I remarked a pathway that, for once, was clean of obvious dangers. I stood up, squinting my eyes in the semi-darkness, hoping to spot anything dangerous before stepping forward. Having not spotted anything, I took a step forward, not expecting the floor to give way beneath me. My legs crumpled as I slid down a steep ramp. I reached my hands out, hopelessly grasping for anything I could to stop my descent down the slide. I saw for a moment that Jack had tried to catch me, but too late. I slid into the darkness, losing any sunlight the second I passed the opening. The tunnel grade steepened suddenly, and my body was slammed against the walls. The awkward way I fell into the pipe meant my head took the brunt of the impact, and I lost track of the rest of the fall. Waking up some unaccounted time later, I found myself having landed on an uneven but soft surface. My head was throbbing, and my ribs felt bruised from the impacts in the pipe I fell through. Wiping the fog out of my eyes, I adjusted to the light and looked around. This room was surrounded by painted brick, which, like the rest of the hospital, was dirty and in a state of continuing decay. There were metal bars, hastily constructed on the only exit from the confined space. I pushed myself up, feeling the floor of this room to be very unstable. After getting to my feet and looking down to my horror at a floor that was covered in bodies, I jumped back, but there was nowhere to stand that wasn't on top of some person who met their unfortunate end in this place. Most of them appeared to have died on impact with the hard floor, having tumbled headfirst in the same trap that I did. I felt sick as I realized the only reason I survived this fall was because of the misfortune of all of these other people who came before me. It was also in this moment that my brain registered the stench of the decaying bodies. I wretched giving up the only food in my stomach to the vile scenery I had fallen into. With a feeling of panic overwhelming my senses, I plunged into my backpack looking for the crowbar I brought with me. Approaching the bars, I could tell that they were sloppily bolted to the floor, making for an offset match on the lock plate of the door. It was probably effective to a person locked in here with no tools, but I had the fortune of falling in here with more than just my bare hands. I slammed the crowbar into the mismatched section of the bars, using the leverage of the tool and the weight of my body, hoping, praying, that the faulty construction would give way. The locking mechanism did give way, and I fell backward as the crowbar lost its wedge between the pieces of metal. I scrambled out of the mass grave as quickly as I could, breathing deeply the cleaner air of an adjacent corridor. As my body and nerves calmed, I saw that there was electric light on this floor of the hospital. In addition to the jail cell, someone had been very busy down here making the utilities functional again. Fluorescent lights, albeit aged and flickering, were illuminating the old, dusty hallways of the long-abandoned facility. The work wasn't perfect, however, as the light itself looked to be low, almost like a brownout. Maybe there was a generator hidden somewhere powering these floors? Creeping forward carefully, I made my way to a set of lab rooms, moving as quietly as possible. I was not interested in coming face to face with whoever has been inhabiting this place 
setting the traps we found in the floors above. However, an overwhelming sense of foreboding crept into my mind, spiking my awareness and forcing the realization that it would probably be impossible to escape without running into them. Creeping carefully along the walls, I curved my hand around the doorframe of an open lab room. Peeking inside, my jaw dropped when I laid eyes on three dead bodies. They had been suspended from the ceiling of the room by hooks, like a butcher drawing a cut of meat. That alone would be grotesque enough, but the bodies... The bodies looked as if the three people had been killed, chopped up, and then had their appendages sewn onto them at odd angles. As if someone was curious if that arm would fit that torso. The faces and eyes had been stitched shut, and the mouths unnaturally forced into a smile. They were marionettes hung by a madman, left to hang as decoration. I pulled myself out of the room, and clasped against my mouth to avoid screaming. I moved on, trying not to look at the room with hanging bodies. Unfortunately, I had only just begun to discover the atrocities that this place held. The next room had a live patient in it. Live was maybe an assumption because I could see the chest moving up and down. They were connected to all sorts of machines. Fluids seemed to be constantly flowing in and out from several cavities in the person's chest. They had been so badly mutilated, I couldn't tell if they were male or female. I felt then a strong urge to shut off the insidious machines facilitating this experiment, but stopped myself. Making any moves or taking any actions that disturbed this environment would almost certainly draw attention to me. My body nearly seized when I heard a commotion about three doors down the hallway from where I knelt. I scrambled quickly to get behind some medical equipment and stay out of sight. I stayed there, quiet, waiting to see if who or what made the noise would reveal itself. A moment later, a man stepped out into the hallway. He wore a blue surgical gown, which had been profusely stained with dried blood. His movements were frantic, like he couldn't figure out where he wanted to go. He dashed back into the room he came out of, and the sound of falling tools and utensils echoed down the hallway. He emerged again, holding some kind of mallet or hammer. He stood there, head ticking from side to side with sharp jerks of his neck. Then he moved further down the hallway, head still twitching side to side, and disappeared around a corner. With the crazed-looking person out of sight and the sounds of their footsteps receding, I desperately searched for a means of escape. I moved between the rooms of indescribable brutality to check every window. All of them were securely barred with metal or other welded or bolted iron. Unlike the cage, which was probably hastily constructed by the person living down here, these bars were professionally installed, likely by the original teams closing down the hospital in an attempt to keep people out of the decaying property. The crowbar I had with me was no use against these barriers. There was simply no way to escape through any of these windows without more sophisticated, heavy-duty tools. I continued to search, looking for any door or window that might have been missed, like the one we originally climbed through. However, the only path available was the one the madman took, which appeared to be a staircase going back up to the trap-ridden floors of the building. Suddenly, raised voices and shouts echoed down from the upper levels. I stood for a moment, listening to hear if I could recognize a voice or comprehend what was happening above me. 
However, approaching footsteps once again caused me to find concealment. Moving back to the medical equipment I used before, I sat and peered through the gaps as the doctor returned. The doctor came into view again, but this time he was carrying a person by the ankle. Seemingly undisturbed by the weight of the person, he didn't seem concerned at all that he was dragging the person's head against the floor. As he turned, I held back a gasp as I recognized Jack as the unconscious captive of this maniac. His head was bleeding where he had clearly taken a heavy blow to his forehead, probably with the mallet carried by the doctor as he ran upstairs. They disappeared into one of the lab rooms, and some loud shuffling and movement of equipment began. Unsure where the courage came from that motivated me, but I crept out of my hiding place, hoping to get a view of Jack and what condition he was in. I was again caught by surprise as loud footsteps came pounding down the staircase further down the hallway. The doctor came out of the lab room in a flash, gleaming steel scalpel in his hand, waiting for the new arrival. Eric came bounding around the corner, scrambling to a stop as he took in the sight of the doctor standing before him. He started to yell at the doctor, demanding to know where Jack was. I took this opportunity to get up and run to his aid, hoping that with our combined effort, we could restrain the doctor. Unfortunately, this had a detrimental effect on Eric, as his eyes shot toward me in surprise, not expecting to see me dart out in front of him. The doctor seized on this moment of confusion and lunged forward at Eric. He plunged the scalpel into Eric's neck, up through his jaw and into his head, jammed through his skull with a force I'd not have expected from a recluse hiding in this basement. As he did this, I was frozen in the spot, unable to comprehend the sudden loss of my friend as his eyes rolled back into his head and he staggered. The doctor stood mostly still, but his head turned ever so slowly. He looked directly at me, and for the first time I was able to get a clear look at his face. Head cocked to the side, he had visible scars across his twisted face. They were vertical, and some actually appeared to be recent, and were still bleeding down his cheek. He had eyes, but the amount of scarring of his face seemed to have turned them almost into slits. I backed up, realizing that I had played right into his hands. He knew I had been there the whole time, and had no intention of dealing with me until Eric was dead. He charged at me, full sprint. I turned and ran as fast as I could, running for my life. I threw down medical equipment behind me that had been next to the walls. This barely deterred him, as he seemed to be used to such pursuits, chasing down fresh meat for his experiments. My brain was frantic. Where was I going to go? How in the world was I going to escape this guy? I reached the end of the hallway where the cell I fell into was. I managed to get inside before the doctor could reach me and slam the bar shut, pinging the lock into place I had previously pried open. The doctor nearly got me, reaching the bars just a second too late, hand outstretched between the rusted metal trying to grasp me. I backed up over the dead bodies to the wall, looking around frantically for any sort of escape. The doctor relaxed for a moment withdrawing his hand from the cell and looking at me. His smile seemed to widen as he reached into his pocket, revealing a ring of keys. He jangled them, tauntingly, in front of me. Almost lazily, he started trying them, one at a time. In sheer panic, I grabbed the crowbar from my pack, my only defense. Click. Another key in the lock. Could I find any other weapons from the bodies in here? Click. 
a third key in the lock. Maybe the bars of this window are as loose as the jail cell lock. Click. A fourth key in the lock. I looked back at the doctor, who seemed ecstatic that I was in such a panic. Click. And the lock pinged open. The jail cell door swung slowly open, groaning as the metal on metal hinges, rusted from age, removed the only barrier from me and almost certain death. The scalpel in hand no longer gleamed. It was now covered in my friend's blood and was coming for me next. I held my only weapon, only defense at the ready, unsure I was prepared to fight to the death, but I had no other choice. A loud crack filled the hallway, though, as the doctor tumbled forward, momentarily stunned by an object that had hit him from behind. Jack stood there, still bleeding from his head wound, but had hit the freak over the head. We both ran for it then, over the doctor as he shook his head. We ran the flight of stairs through the hospital, down the myriad hallways which, thankfully, seemed consistent throughout the floors we had already explored. Behind us, we could hear loud footsteps ever pursuing us as we rounded the corner to more stairs. We reached Sam, who had successfully raised police, and were working on an opening on some of the barred windows nearby. Without any time to lose, Jack and I picked up Sam and started assisting him back over our previous steps. He didn't ask about Eric. Maybe it was our appearance or the clear indication that we were being pursued, but he kept silent as we pressed forward to our only hope of rescue. A window had been broken, and police were there, shining flashlights into the hallway. We shouted and yelled, trying to get their attention. Lights shining on us, they told us to stay where we were, that they'd have the bars off the window soon. I looked to my right, and standing there around the corner was the doctor. The section of the hospital did not have electric light, and so he was partially concealed by the darkness of the hallway. He looked at the police in the window, and then back at me, still smiling tried to call out to the police, pointing that there was a murdering psychopath in here with us. The shine their lights where I was pointing, but the doctor had gone. It took about 30 minutes before the bars were removed and we were freed from this nightmare. We gave our story to the police while Sam received medical attention for his injured leg. We explained all of the gore and that our friend had been killed in the lower floors. Naturally, we were detained there for further questioning as they went in and searched the property. We stayed there with the police and emergency vehicles for a couple hours as officers began to emerge through the opening once again. They verified our story about the experimentation lab and also recovered Eric's body. We asked frantically about the doctor. Did they see him? Unfortunately though, they never found any trace of anyone else in the facility. Eric's body was placed in the aid car and taken to the local hospital. Our families also met us there, and with a mixture of profound grief and shock, listened to our nightmarish story. It blew up as a huge news story in our town that some raving lunatic had started a medical experimentation facility in the abandoned hospital. Maybe it was too incredible to believe, but it was treated more like an urban legend than actual facts. Our stories scrutinized to the finest detail, too unbelievable to take seriously. We buried Eric a month later. I sat there, watching him lowered into the earth, not able to believe it myself that he was gone. What truly scares me, though, aren't the memories of this place that I'll never be rid of. No, 
scares me is that they never found that guy. The doctor is out there, probably trying to come up with some new, screwed up experiment. Be on the lookout. He might be right under your nose like he was ours. Maybe in your town. Maybe in your neighborhood. Keep your doors locked at night. There are freaks out there beyond all comprehension. <laughs>